0: Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal News Show. Joining you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Back to the usual live uh, show wonders uh, after yesterday's pre-recorded reaction to the Brighton game. Um, thank you, by the way, for all of the feedback on that show. There was, you know, it's probably one of the most commented on videos that we've done um, this season. Unsurprisingly, uh, it was an emotional one. It was uh, an in-depth one where I kind of just laid out where I'm kind of sitting on where we are this season, um, and at the end of this season, the end of the disappointment that we've had at the end of the campaign. But uh, it was good to get it kind of all off my chest, and good to also see. I'd say that the absolute vast majority of you kind of also jumping on board the same train which was was great to see not everyone which is fine everyone's entitled to their opinion but you know I, it was great to see kind of the the measured approach that the vast majority of you had regarding um kind of the season and where we're at and where we're at as a club and the way in which we're moving forwards. And, that uh, you know, there's a lot to be really excited about at Arsenal going forwards mm-hmm. as well. Uh, good morning to those joining us in the chat. Hope you're doing good and well. Uh, Mr. SNLO, Pini Ween, Martin, good morning to you. Kaiser, Olu, Wilson, Steve. We've got Sessan, we've got Stevie, Amira, Matt G, Red Star, Black Shine, Marcus, Colin, Stephen, Paul. Uh, we've got Cape Town, Gooners we've got Carl, um, we've got Lynn, Johnny, and plenty more as well too. Thank you as always um, for tuning in. It is very much appreciated. And if you could drop a like, if you could subscribe, if you're new, that would also be very much appreciated too. Uh, let's uh, let's crack on with today's stories, shall we? And of course, as the show goes, we'll go into the chat box and your questions in part two. We kick off with yesterday's Premier League action. Liverpool keeping up uh, their consistent runner form. I think that is their seventh win in a row they've really turned around their form of late they're keeping up the pressure on manchester united for that top four race between uh what is becoming a three horse race because spurs i don't think can even achieve it at this moment in time brighton still have four games to play Uh, they are seven points though behind liverpool um and they have two games in hand on them so even if they were to win their two games in hand they're still going to be sitting in sixth place that everton defeat is really going to sting Brighton I think and they may look back on that with some level of regret Um, what's interesting though is that Newcastle are not exactly out of the woods in terms of top four after their draw against Leeds this is putting them in a precarious position Liverpool uh, have played a game more than both Man United and Newcastle Newcastle's next game is actually against Brighton they are at home but they play Brighton next who are certainly going going to be all guns blazing for it. If Liverpool were to beat Aston Villa and if Manchester United were to beat Bournemouth, Newcastle would drop into fifth place if it was not only for uh, the gaming hand that they still need to play. So, and I think that game in hand takes place this week, actually. So if they, yes, it's on Thursday. So if they do indeed drop points against uh, Brighton and then we see... Uh, Liverpool uh, win and, and Newcastle drop points. Their last games uh, are against uh, Brighton, then Leicester, which you would expect them to beat. Um, but it's then Chelsea uh, on the final game of the season. That's going to be an interesting one for for Newcastle. But uh, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not completely done at this stage for the top four race, and not for Newcastle either. Their points dropped has certainly put them into a little bit of a precarious position, uh, let's say. But very interesting. We'll certainly be keeping up with that. Uh, Jesus is not giving up on the title race. He's speaking to ESPN Brazil after yesterday or rather Sunday's game against Brighton. He says, impossible? No, mathematically, it's not over. When I arrived at this club, that's what I learned. Don't give up. Always try. We still have chances, but it's obvious that it became very difficult. But we'll fight until the end. Of course, Arsenal have two more games this season against Nottingham Forest and Wolves mathematically he's right it is still not over arsenal would need man city to lose at least two uh of their last two games and draw the other uh, they played chelsea brighton and brentford which on paper aren't the particularly easiest of sides but man city and the juggernaut of a winning machine that they are you know it's it's going to be very difficult to see uh, man city not picking up the points that they need in any of those games so let's wait and see what ends up happening happening. Uh, According to Sammy of the Mail, who did a a big uh, release of information yesterday, uh, Reese Nelson remains in a situation where he is expected to leave after he rejected that contract offer from Arsenal. There were suggestions that negotiations are still going on behind the scenes. I don't think this is completely wrapped up, but Reese Nelson's future still, it seems at this moment in time, is leaning more towards the exit door than a brand new contract. Kieran Tierney also still very much more likely to leave at this stage. Newcastle, as we know, are interested. Aston Villa are also interested in the player. Um, But uh, according to a number of outlets, including Sammy Mockbell, Newcastle are the clear favourites. I did a piece yesterday actually talking about how I think there's been a bit of a twist and a turn in this Tierney situation. Previously, I had felt that Of the players that we've got in our squad, you look at Tierney and you look at Trossard as the two players that are actually competitive options to our starting 11 I've kind of changed where I'm at with Tierney because I still think that actually now it's the right situation to move him on and move in a player that can play more akin to the style of left-back that uh, Mikel Arteta wants. Um, And, you know, Ray Beam suggests it's a terrible idea to sell to direct rivals. Well, if they're willing to stump up a significant amount of money, Arsenal need to be in a position whereby they can replace Tierney and that his exit would not necessarily have to be uh, a big problem. But it's part and parcel of it. Manchester City have sold two key players to Arsenal and yet have still gone on, uh, we assume, to win the title. Um, It is, unfortunately part and parcel of of what this is. So, if Arsenal get a serious amount of money for Newcastle, and it needs to be a serious amount of money, only then should they consider that sale. But I think Arsenal would obviously prefer to see Aston Villa uh, be the team that come in for Tierney. Uh, Balogun is also expected to uh, seek first-team guarantees elsewhere. Uh, A future with Arsenal seems increasingly unlikely with Nketiah and Gabriel Jesus at the club and suggestions that, who knows, a forward could be on the cards for Arsenal in the summer, continuing with Sammy's uh, article in the mail you know we talked about this on the uh we talked about this on the Arsenal lounge yesterday and talked about kind of what striker we would prefer And we all agreed that we would rather have Balogun in the second striker slot over in Ketia for next season and we all agreed that a striker is something that Arsenal should be looking to potentially move to as well in the summer if Balogun does indeed move on it seems that this is the, the way forwards and it seems that Balogun um Moving on from the club is is what is the most likely scenario at this stage, which really does frustrate because we finally seemingly seen him excel at senior level. And uh, we're going to move him on. What needs to happen, of course, is for Balogun to be moved on for a very good fee. And Arsenal should be looking to get upwards of £30 million, pounds, close to £40 million pounds as they can when they and if they sell Balogun in the summer. That should be the minimum expectation. Now, moving to the headline stories of the day and talks are expected to go on between Arsenal and West Ham again uh, with Sammy McBear reporting at the Mail this news yesterday. Arsenal's indication is that it will, they will offer a fee below that £100 million asking price that West Ham have. There's other reports suggesting that Man City... Could enter the race for Rice as well, which isn't surprising. I kind of expected that to happen, Um, expected there to be reports suggesting that to be the case. That doesn't mean that, of course, it will happen. There's suggestions that Calvin Phillips could be used as a make-weight in that deal, which might suit West Ham. But I think West Ham maybe would prefer the money. And if Arsenal can stump up enough money to convince West Ham to sell, then they'll get their man. They continue to be named as favourites in this race, but frankly, that means nothing. We were named as favourites for a long time in the Mudrik race, and we know what happens with that. Arsenal need to make sure that they get their primary targets this summer, and it'll be disappointing if they don't. The other primary target, as we know, is Moises Caicedo. And as our headline story, yes, the suggestions are coming out. The Times reporting yesterday that Arsenal could spend upwards of £200 million. The war chests are coming out You know, and if you've listened to the channel for some time, um, I've always kind of been a little bit um, jokingly smiley about the war chest stories because I know that there's no way the club leak information about how much money they have to spend. It would be incredibly detrimental to the club to release any information about what their budget is. It would give any clubs that they are trying to negotiate with incredible power in negotiations it's all fine estimating, you know. I've not got an issue with how much we might estimate Arsenal could could spend. I, you know, have estimated that I think we will have a record breaking summer window. That's what you know I would predict um, that Arsenal would be looking to do. But that not, that doesn't come from any specific information. That just comes from you know with Arsenal, our. Oh, at the moment, as a club, you know, they're back into the Champions League. They competed for the title, finishing at least second in the table, give them an extra boost of money. They also have some sellable assets to move on this summer in Balogun and in Chiarantini that you could get easily, in my opinion, at least 60 million for the pair and should be getting more. The Arsenal should be spending a record amount of money on incomings this summer. We'll have to wait and see if Caicedo and Rice are forming part of that. But let's wait and see. Right, let's go into part 2, your questions right after this. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Lovely stuff. Uh, I do want to let you know, and I'm probably going to give you a reminder at the end of the show as well, that um, we're aiming to do a phone-in show, hopefully this evening, uh, either five or six, probably six um, o'clock tonight. I I really want to kind of get the opposing view uh, of where I stand. And I know there are a lot of people that don't agree with my point of view on my feelings towards how the season's ended. And I want to hear from those people, uh, those people that, you know, don't particularly agree with me, that are really angry with the way the season's ended, that are very disparaging towards Mikel Arteta, that feel that we've, quote, bottled it this season. You know, they're the people I want to hear from because I want to kind of get into their headspace. I want to hear what they've got to say. I want to ask them some questions. Um, so if that is you and you found yourself listening to me yesterday going, what on earth is this guy? chatting about um it's your chance to to jump on uh, it's your chance to come and voice your opinions but uh, what tends to happen is that they don't show up <laughs> so uh, if that indeed does happen we'll of course open it up to the wider view of opinions to get people uh giving their thoughts and feelings just on the season as a whole but initially of course we'd love to hear from people uh, that have differing um kind of stories right let's jump into um let's jump into the chat box then and ask you uh, I'd rather answer some of the questions if I can of what you have for me. Uh, Lynn says, "Tom, would you agree that I would you agree that I know that decisions we shouldn't take too seriously, but would you agree that we have done amazingly well to finish where we have with what we have had to deal?" With? Look, I, I've said this on record, Lynn. I think I said it yesterday. Um, that I think that this season's been great. I've really enjoyed it. You know, I've, I've loved this season. I feel my my primary emotion at the end of the season is one of feeling absolutely gutted. You know, I'm gutted that we weren't able to go the whole way. And that's what a successful team tries to do. It puts you in positions where you can end up feeling gutted um, because you it puts you in a situation where it, it it's good enough, you think, at times, to go for that title. And unfortunately, we couldn't quite do it. Just like last season, you know, most of us thought top four was was not what we were going to achieve and we nearly nearly did it and unfortunately couldn't this season we've gone that one step beyond we've gone into a title race us arguably two steps beyond you know we've gone into a title race comfortably qualified for the champions league this season shown great levels of progression um and uh, and now we find ourselves uh moving forwards again and going into the new season next season hopefully being able to go even one step further again and continue this, this mode of progression, which is fantastic. Um, Fleek boy says, uh, Tom, first time catching you live. Thanks mate. Uh, You like the idea of Balogun being included in the deal for rice. I mean, if it was a significant discount in the deal, then of course, uh, of course, of course, Uh, of course I would be uh, open to that, Uh, but it would need to be getting like 30 to 40 million pounds off of the price for rice. So uh, that's, that's the only way that I'd be open to seeing Balogun included in that deal if it was a significant discount off any move for the player. Um, James says, what should Arsenal's expect actions, expectations <laughs> uh, be for the 23-24 campaign? A more successful title challenge should be the expectation. We should push Man City even closer next season. That's the expectation. Go further in the Champions League. Like not further than Champions League, go as far as we can in the Champions League. Like that for me is the expectation is to progress, to do better than we did this season. That's the progression. I'd hope for a, a trophy. You know, I'd love to see Arsenal win a trophy next season. But the minimum expectation at Arsenal is to progress for me. It's always to go forward, it's always to improve on what you did last season. I get the idea that people want to jump on the horse of saying, no. We're Arsenal Football Club, and the expectation has to be minimum success is always a trophy. Now, that's fine. I, I, I respect that viewpoint. But for me, just where I come from, I want to see progression. I want to see us moving forwards. And moving forwards is going to get us closer to winning those titles. And the reason why I don't subscribe to that that point of view is, is still a failure is because, for me, if you, if, if you have failed, then you need to do something to change things. And if I think Arsenal are failing as a club, then I want to see changes. I don't think Arsenal are failing as a club. I think we are doing the opposite of that. I think we are moving towards our objectives. Uh, And that gives me great hope um, for the upcoming season and seasons uh, under the current ownership, under the current management, and with the current group of players that I'm hoping is going to see some refurbishment in the summer. Uh, Matt says, uh, which two teams would you prefer to get third and fourth? Um, It's a really difficult question. Uh, because I don't like Newcastle, I don't like United and I don't like Liverpool. Brighton are the obvious pick, uh, but I think it's going to be very, very difficult. I mean, if they win their two games in hand and put them onto 36 games, they'll be in 64 points. So they'll still be within two points uh, of both Man United and Newcastle if they both lost their next game, which I'm not really expecting them to do, to be honest, because Bournemouth at this stage are now kind of on the beach because they know they're safe um, they've confirmed their safety now and they can't go down so uh, Bournemouth are, I'm not expecting them to part of much of a fight against Man United but who knows they've got nothing to lose that can be a dangerous recipe sometimes so Brighton and probably pains me to say it but probably Liverpool I'd rather get into the top four over United and Newcastle anything that's going to kind of you know stunt Newcastle but it's difficult to even see them being stunted by uh, Europa League qualification let alone Champions League qualification. Um, Stephen says, what did you make of Gary Neville's latest comments that Zinchenko honking his Hornet fans, beating Borough cost us the league? It's unbelievable. Um, I think that he's kind of lost it, to be honest. Um, look, I have the, the sympathy I have for Gary Neville comes because there are a lot of Arsenal fans that wrongly have sent a lot of abuse his way. And no matter what Gary Neville's analysis, be it how crazy and incorrect that it's been over the last few weeks, months, season... Nothing he said has warranted people jumping onto social media and abusing him or his family or friends or whatever. You know, nothing's justified that. Nothing that he said has justified any abuse going his way because that's not right. But um, what he said is ludicrous. What he said is ridiculous, Um, and I do frankly think that unfortunately he is now and has been affected by a lot of things that have been said which I have empathy for in some senses because it must be difficult when you're getting battered left, right and centre and getting abuse, which is not called for. Um, And unfortunately, I think that that has led him to generate some pretty mad views on Arsenal. Uh, It's pretty evident that he doesn't want Arsenal to succeed. Um, It's pretty evident that that viewpoint of his is more important uh, to him than seeing Arsenal succeed, which, frankly, why shouldn't it be? He's not an Arsenal fan. He supports Man United. He wants Man United to succeed. Why would he want Arsenal to succeed? But I think, unfortunately, we've we've lost. Who I used to think was one of the better pundits out there. I used to really enjoy listening to Gary Neville's commentary and analysis and breakdowns of things before he probably before he moved to Valencia for that terrible managerial spell. Came back, did okay at the start as well, but gradually I think has just kind of spiraled away from sensible analysis um that's particularly on arsenal i think it needs a freshen up i think it needs a freshen up at you know uh, to get some different viewpoints in and by the way i i listened to martin Ty- uh, martin tyler's um, i listened to the criticism from martin Keogh of martin tyler i don't agree with with what martin keown particularly did on talk sport yesterday um if you like if you've got an opinion of the way in which Games are commentated. Um, you can't you can't say he's an amazing professional and then question his bias. Like there were so many contradictions in that Martin Keown rant yesterday, and like I really appreciate Martin Keown defending Arsenal, um, but there was a lot of contradictions for me in in that rant about um, Martin Tyler's commentary. Um, I agreed with what Harry Simeone actually tweeted. Um, let me get Harry's tweet up because I think it summed it up. Pretty perfectly. Uh, Let me find it. Uh, Harry tweeted a lot yesterday. (laughs) Um, Let's go. Yeah, here we go. It says, as a paying customer, you're entitled to have a view on the commentary slash coverage you're being provided with. Loved Martin Keown as a player, but this is poor form. I'm lucky enough to have spoken to Martin Tyler about the job he does and we're, and he was more than willing to help me improve with detailed feedback as I continued my personal journey. You can't say he's a great professional and then proceed to question his professionalism. When discussing the pundits, there are clear links to certain clubs, but to go after Tyler specifically feels unnecessary. It's sad that we've got to the point where this stuff will drive more attention than good in-depth analysis. And I think that was a really... Really well written uh, tweet um, from uh, from Harry actually about things. You know, you can have your opinion on on, on Martin Tyler's uh, commentary. That's absolutely fine, but you know, you can't say someone's a great professional and then question their professionalism. It's as simple as that. Um, Let's go. Derek says, Tom, will you stop? I had to mute the commentary on Sunday. It was horrendously bad. Then mute the commentary. That's fine. Like The issue that I've got isn't necessarily about the criticism of commentary. If you want to criticize commentary, that's fine. Go do that. But it's the contradictions within that criticism that was a problem for me um that's what i found as, as as an issue is that as i've said now i feel like for the fourth time you can't say someone is a great professional and then question their professionalism it doesn't you can't have it both ways it doesn't work like that uh marcus says is there any news on man city's financial charges could there be any hope for the rest of us i, I have heard nothing nothing's been said nothing's been updated since that martin ziegler article a while ago nothing has changed unfortunately um, Let's go to Flames says, uh, what signs do you think would get us over the line next season? It's difficult to say what seasons get you over the line. You know, when you're going up against Manchester City, that's why I always stop short of saying the expectation next season is to win the title. Now, in reality, you can't expect that when your rival is Man City. My expectation is to challenge them, is to push them harder than we did this season. Because the fact of the matter is, is that they are a juggernaut of a financial machine be however they've done it, and that's a whole different conversation, but their squads, their manager is at the top, top, top of everything. If they don't win the Champions League, that's a massive failure and underachievement on their part because they are the best team in the world and have the best budget in the world and have the best manager in the world. So if they don't, you know, when they don't win something from their perspective, they aren't achieving what you know, their expectation was. And from Arsenal's point of view, the expectation for us is to challenge them. Uh, we have to try and challenge them. So the question mark of what signings get us to the point, in my opinion, where we're challenged, challenging them is two more top-class midfielders, is another top forward, is another top defender that can operate potentially as a centre-back and a right-back, which is like why I like Mohamed Simakan for instance, so much. But Simican, Rice, Caicedo, if we move on Tierney and Tavares, I think we need to move for another left back potentially as well that offers something similar to Zinchenko. And then a forward. Now that forward could be a wide player that enables you to still have Trossard, Jesus, and then as your centre-forward options. Or it could be a striker that then enables Jesus to operate more as a rotational figure in wide areas as well, which I think is also an option. For me, I'd love to see Arsenal go out and sign Randall Kolo Moani. He's my favourite for that striker position. He's who I would like Arsenal to go and sign. Um, I think it'd be very expensive, and I don't expect it to happen. But he is my number one pick for that position. Um, let's go to. Uh... Gaz says, Hey Tom, uh, first time catching you live in a while. Do you think we should offer Jorginho an extension to his contract? I like what he has added to the squad, especially with his leadership. Uh, No, I don't think we need to, you know, I think at this point in time, we've got a year left on his deal. Let's see how he does. And at the end of the season, if he's had a really good campaign, if he's been really influential in the team, which to be honest, he probably shouldn't be because we should sign somebody that's going to give us a a reason never to really use uh, Jorginho other than in rotational options. Um, but in terms of, like, at the end of that contract, we can have discussions if we need to extend it by a further 12 months. I don't think we need to commit ourselves to anything at this moment in time. Uh, Checkperk says, if by some miracle, Ozymen was willing to come to Arsenal, would you prefer the option uh, and sticking with our ageing midfield or getting Rice and Caicedo? If, if the question is, would you add Ozymen over adding Rice or Caicedo? For me, the primary targets need to be midfield. Arsenal's problem was not goals this season. We're one of the only teams, maybe the only team in the top five leagues that had four players in double digits for goals. Our problem was the fact that we've conceded 42 goals this season. You can't concede 42 goals. That's 11 more than Man City and win the league. You just can't do that. So we need to make sure that we address that before we start addressing the striker position. So for me, midfield and the defence need to be addressed before we look at bringing in the forwards in the summer. Uh, let's go to uh, African Theory TV says, I agree that it's been a great season, but the last two months has been worrisome. Uh, we have let it slip, but I'm more concerned about carrying this form into next season. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's a whole new campaign. Pre-season gives you a chance to restart. If you remember, we won all of our preseason games. We did play a lot of winnable fixtures in fairness, but it did give us that ability to go forward. We've got some really difficult preseason games this time around. Barcelona, Manchester United, MLS All-Stars, we should beat fairly comfortably. Um, and then, of course, maybe we have a Community Shield game against Man City. If we finish second and they win the FA Cup, we will be in the Community Shield in the summer. And we still have the Emirates Cup potentially to come through as well. So, who knows if that's going to go ahead. So, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but there's a lot that stood, that could still happen uh, at this stage. Um Let's go to Tim. says, did you see the VAR commentary slash decision-making of the Arsenal-Newcastle handball last night in Monday Night Football? It was very interesting, and we need that live in the future to clear up and doubt any backlash from the fans. I agree, Tim, that I think that the commentary of these VAR decisions should absolutely be broadcast live. 100%. You don't need to mic the referee up for the whole game. But you don't need him to be, you don't need every call. But when VAR is brought in, we need to hear the broadcast of what that discussion is, of what's taking place, of what's not taking place. That needs to be broadcast. You know, you think about in rugby where the the referee is mic'd up throughout the whole game. I don't think we necessarily need to go that far yet. Maybe one day we do. But I think just the VAR should be mic'd up so that we have that level of... uh, you know, um, that return. So we can hear what's going on. I think that would provide great clarity. I think that would certainly um, help the anger. I think that potentially would help um, those listening in the stadium because you could have like earphones that you listen to where you can hear the VAR discussions going on. They have that. I, I know they have that in rugby where they have the, the referees kind of mic up and they listen to them while the game's going on while sitting in the stadium. So that could certainly be something uh, to think about. Um, But what did I think of the program? I thought it was great. I thought, you know, having that ability to hear the decision-making what's frustrating is that clearly there's a lot of good things that go on behind the scenes with VAR. They really meticulously go through um, these decisions, which in a way makes it all the more, I think Charles Watts pointed it out last night, all the more frustrating that they still make mistakes that they can go through these things really meticulously. They take the time. There's lots of analysis. There's clear. They clearly know what they're doing to a degree. Um, and yet they still make mistakes. That's that's what's the hardest thing to kind of get over at this stage. Uh, Neil says draw against West Ham, Liverpool, and Southampton players and Arce's fault. Not taking away anything from the team, but arteta's achievements this season. But we can question these games. We can absolutely question. If you're not winning games, you know you've got to question why. This isn't new news. If you don't win a game, you know you have to look at why you didn't. After Liverpool. I was one of the first to come on, hop onto a channel and say, Arteta's at fault here, his substitutions were all wrong. You know, West Ham, if we don't miss the penalty, I think we win that game. Southampton, you have to question Ramsdale in that moment. You know, if you don't make that mistake at the beginning of the game, I think we probably win that game. You have to question things. Like, you have to. I'm never going to tell people that they shouldn't be making... They shouldn't be questioning. They shouldn't be critiquing. My issue is that with the bottling thing, and we talked about this last night... It's really odd how determined so many within our fan base are to kind of say we bottled things. Like, I get rival fans. I get media saying or wanting to say or really rub it in Arsenal's faces that we bottled it. What I don't get is us, our own fans, our family, really sticking the knife in on what has been a brilliant season to say, oh, we bottled it. No, you're wrong, we bottled it. And going on the comment sections, like jumping onto every channel possible and saying, we bottled it, we bottled it. Jumping onto Twitter, we bottled it. Jumping onto Facebook, we bottled it. Jumping into WhatsApp groups. saying we. I don't get the behaviour. I really can't get my head around it. I don't get why that, why that would be your point of view. From my perspective as an Arsenal fan, it's obvious what we've done is well beyond what people expected and that we can talk about the things about why maybe we didn't get to where we got to, where we hopefully would have got to, which was winning the league. And I think that that's down to who we were up against, down to the injuries that we faced and down to some mistakes from the coach. And I think that all of those things combined have led us to where we are now. But at the end of the season, whilst I was gutted, my second emotion after being gutted was, that was an amazing campaign. I did, That went wildly beyond anything that I expected. That wildly went beyond anything that I was hoping for. And I've had some amazing times. You know, I'll never forget the Bournemouth game. The Aston Villa game, when I was at those fixtures sitting in the press box and you're supposed to remain professional, sit on your hands, not celebrate, stuff that, I lost my mind when Jorginho's strike eventually went in and when Nelson's shot went in. It was amazing. And those moments and the constant feeling of coming away from those games, feeling buzzing and feeling optimistic and feeling like, wow, this team is going beyond what I thought we would do. Maybe we can win the league this season. We've not ended up doing it, but I've come away from this season thinking, wow, we might next season go even further. We might be able to add Rice or Caicedo and Caicedo. We might be able to add a great forward. We might be able to add a great defender and add that to this team and go into next season. I'm going to be, I can't wait. I can't wait for next season. So to be that determined, to jump into comment sections, that determined to jump onto WhatsApp groups or Twitter, and to ram it down the throat of your fellow Arsenal fans to say we bottled it, or you know the bordering sociopathic Arteta outing that I've seen. You know, it's I don't get it. I really I don't get I don't understand why you'd want to have that point of view. That's just where I that's just where my mind comes from. As I say, we'll be doing a. If you disagree with that. And you think I'm talking at my backside, which is fine. Then I'll be doing a phone in show at 6 p.m. Uh, this afternoon, this evening, uh, UK time, where I want to hear from people that don't agree with me on this. You know, I want to hear that point of view. But as time and time again happens, very, very rarely do we get to hear from those people. So, you know, bring it to me. Uh, we will be doing that phone in show at 6 p.m. this evening. Um, let's go to Vanna duty says, is there a possibility of a show in the summer where you and a guest who specialize in football finances go into the in-depth of man city and their financial dealings and charges? Uh, Potentially the the problem we have is, is the access to all the information Obviously, it's an ongoing investigation which creates certain legal things as well, you know. And without all of the facts, it's very difficult to do that. But if it's possible to speak to somebody that knows what they're talking about and we can talk about what we know to be the facts in this case, then sure. But it's a very difficult situation to break down. And I'd only want to do that if I knew I could deliver a really good, in-depth, accurate, factual show. And and these types of things are very, very... Very difficult. Um, let's go to... Boom, 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 boom. Philip says, Tom, do you like Ryan Gravenberch or Manuel Agate? Uh, Agate has been fantastic for sporting. You know, really uh, helped fill the gap left by Palinha, who joined Fulham. Uh, he's been linked with a number of clubs. Uh, I can't say I've l- seen loads of him. I'm speaking based upon what I hear from uh, a good sporting f- friend of mine, a sporting CP friend of mine. Um, Gravenberch really talented player i just think that arsenal need to go for something great you know and i think that graven birch remains a young project promising talent and Arsenal need to bring in something that can already give us a step forward and i don't think graven birch is that at the moment uh let's go to scroll up in the chat i feel like i missed some comments um, Fuad says Tom at some point Edu can't keep pivoting to second choice options I think it's very important he gets the players Mikel wants to elevate our performances with the quality of players we want to get yeah absolutely you know and I've said this at some point you can't not get your primary targets we know we want rice we've got to get rice this summer we have to try and get Declan rice this summer Um, and I'll be gutted if we don't and I'll be really you know at the end of the summer if we've not got our You know, maybe not all of the primary targets, but if we've not got some of our primary targets, I am going to be, you know, asking why does this keep happening? We are in the most alluring position this club has ever been for the best part of 20 years. We should be able to convince these players to to make the switch and we have money to spend as well. So absolutely we should. Uh, Lynn says, Tom, these same fans ask our players to have winning mentalities. So some of our fans need to have the same positive mentality when our team has been amazing. Uh, Vivian says, sorry to say that some people just let anger make them say silly things. Uh, A guy behind me at Arsenal reckons Saka should have been dropped after Christmas because he's been rubbish. Yeah, some people just have kind of mad opinions. I'm not to say that Saka shouldn't have had maybe some more rotation, but maybe earlier in uh, the season rather than the last few games of the season, people said he looked tired for me. I think against Newcastle, we demonstrated how he's not tired. And actually, I think that he's really suffered without Saliba's progression of the ball with that position. Even when Kivior's coming, you know, being left-footed, there's been less progression down the right-hand side still. So that has still limited things on the right for him. And I think without Saliba, we, Saka's been a bit off it, unfortunately. Um, Adam says, Is this second in the league team better than our team that finished second to, to Leicester? Yes, Absolutely. We have pushed the best Premier League side, in my opinion, to to nearly very much the end. I mean, with two games left, we've still got a chance somehow, mathematically, you know. So that invincible side was brilliant. And as an Arsenal fan, you know, you feel you feel kind of um, compelled to, to always say that it's the best, but it's very difficult when a team is getting more points that invincible side when a team is winning four of the last soon to be five of the last six seasons you know this that's what this arsenal team is going up against and look if you look at the team that finished second you know compared to the team uh that, that finished after that it's, it, it's it's night and day and the, the the potential of this team compared to that team is just ridiculous uh please don't spam the chat uh i won't read your comments out um rj says i don't agree with any of these people and i'd be lying if i said that i didn't find it embarrassing but it's got to be coming from somewhere uh sure you know that i think you could say that about life there's always going to be varying opinions you know um <laughs> that's unfortunately you know i don't want to make too many direct comparisons but there is extreme views at both ends of the table in social in sociology and psychology and you know the political sphere as well you are always going to have differing views because people's mindsets are different people's backgrounds are different people's uh, upbringings are different in the world and that's what's going to generate different viewpoints with arsenal I don't know. I I think, unfortunately, people get exposed to kind of extreme views in the world of Arsenal too easily. And a lot of those people that espouse extreme views aren't questioned enough and don't accept being questioned. Hence why when I do these phone-in shows to offer out the opportunity for people with those different types of views that really are, in my opinion, rather extreme and excessive and lack context, they don't tend to show up. And that's that's a problem in show, 6pm. If you disagree with me, come on, please. I am asking. Um, Let's go to... Adam says, do you think negativity from fans online affects players' mentality? Uh, people that are extremely negative and in some levels even abusive would tell you that it shouldn't affect players and that they should be mentally strong enough to deal with that. I know for a fact that it does affect the players, whether it's Arsenal players, whether it's City players, whether it's players fighting relegation. I can tell you for a fact that players are affected by abuse i can tell you for a fact that players watch things see things go on social media whether they have a social account or not whether they use a social media account and tweet from it or not whether it's their team that does it they see it not all of them some of them are what i would use the terminology of smart enough um you know because i think it's a smart decision to not look at it i spoke to aaron ramsdale before the start of the season um at london Colney, and he said that he turned off comments after he signed for the club doesn't look at it doesn't look at things limits who limits the tweets that he sees I think it's really smart but I know that all not all footballers are like that not all footballers do do that some players do look at comments and it does affect them and my advice to them would always be don't look at it limit who can who the tweets are that you can see limit the uh, get people around you that are only going to show you the tweets of people that are supporting you. Or at a minimum, being constructively critical rather than those that are just saying, you're this, you're that, um, death threats, things to families, you know. And that's why, at the end of the day, I will never, ever, ever, whilst I can't justify what Granit Jacker did in that game against Crystal Palace back in 2019, I will never, ever begrudge him for that reaction because I know that his family and at that point in time, his unborn child were receiving horrific abuse from people that call themselves Arsenal fans who, in my mind, are not Arsenal fans. So, I will never begrudge him of that reaction. I can't justify the reaction, you know, because an eye for an eye and all that, but I will never begrudge him of that reaction. So, that's kind of where we're at, unfortunately. Uh, but, yeah, the players do see it. They absolutely see it, Adam. Um, after a run of draws, our, fa- our fans catastrophized. so I'd imagine it didn't help our running. Look, there are greater factors that affected the reason why we didn't win the league, you know. And to be honest, uh, what fans have said and done online is is a tiny percentage, tiny, tiny percentage, maybe even nominal that it's not even perceivable as to why we didn't win the league this season. But I don't want to have any impact, no matter even it's a, if it's a negligible impact on this team. I don't want to be the cause of that. And if, you know, we as we talk about a lot, abuse is wrong. Saying a player is this, saying a player is that is wrong. You shouldn't be jumping on to someone's instagram comments and saying you're this you're that leave the club get out you know be critical if you think someone should leave the club be critical back it up with comments don't go and comment on their instagram feed you know if you want to tweet about it sure whatever don't tweet at them you know (laughs) it's just it's not worth it it's not worth it at all um let's go to boom 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 um Reece says saka received uh plenty of racist assaults uh after online after that penalty miss it could be a reason why maybe his form dipped uh bless him. um i think that obviously that happened you know i saw the comments myself some people what bugs me is people trying to deny that that ever happened as well i mean i don't know what your motive is if you're trying to deny those abusive and racist comments ever were made um really, really strange behaviour, quite frankly. Um, I'd hope that, that Saka is, you know, unfortunately, and it's a really unfortunate way of putting it, but I hope that he's built up thick enough skin um, that, that it wasn't a reason why we saw his form dip. It may have been. And, you know, I have complete empathy if that is the case because it's wrong what's happened to him. And it's a shame that I have to use words like, I hope that he's built up a thick skin because he shouldn't have to. And it's wrong that he has to, but I hope that he has because it should, hopefully he's going to be able to deal with these things because unfortunately the reason why I hope that he has, because I just don't see it stopping. I don't see this problem being stopped. uh, stopped. I don't see this problem diminishing. In fact, I probably see this problem getting worse, um, which is a horrible place to be. You know, we can do the the taking of the knee, and i again I sympathize with with footballers like Wilfred Zaha that say that they refuse to to take the knee because they're sick of token gestures and action not being done you know fair play it's um it's a real shame it upsets me it really does you know um not just in football, but you know when I've got friends that have been racially abused or um have been abused because of their sexuality their gender um their disability you know this world sucks sometimes and the reason why i talk about it on these shows and the reason why i get frustrated when people say don't bring politics into football is because unfortunately it's there you know fortunately or unfortunately it's there football has an incredible weight on the world of politics football and the social life of sport has an incredible um impact on on everything to do with it and Someone's views, unfortunately, that can get to the nth degree and in a really extreme way can spawn from being involved in this sport, from following this sport, from getting in and around the wrong people in this sport. That's why I encourage you to block, not watch, move away from people that are abusive, people that are encouraging people to say awful things, people that do say awful things themselves, people that are abusive to players and managers. Don't watch them. Block them. Don't engage with them. Don't speak with them. Don't encourage people to watch them. In fact, do the opposite. You know, those that are abusive. And by the way, this isn't me saying you shouldn't go and watch people that are critical of Arteta. That's fine. People could be like, you know, myself and Dan Potts, for instance. I know a lot of you don't agree with Dan Potts. Dan Potts is not, I don't, I don't watch his stuff. I don't, uh, and think that it's abusive. I watch his stuff and I think that if he's critical about Arteta, sometimes I'll disagree with, with what he says, but he's not abusive. You know so it's uh it's it's about ensuring that when you watch stuff um, that you have uh, that control and I am very well aware of the fact that I am. Very trigger happy with a block button myself. So I may block people for (laughs) something they not even deserve to be blocked for because I might have been having a bad day or I might have been having just been sick of being trolled by people and then someone's just said one thing that's not even block worthy and I've blocked them. What I do say is if that does happen, I have got loads of platforms. I've got Instagram. I've got Twitter. I've got LinkedIn. I've got YouTube. You can leave a comment anywhere and say, Tom, you've blocked me on here. I don't think it was justified. Um... This is what I said. I didn't mean it in this way. Uh, And if I did, and by the way, if you have sent something abusive to me and I've blocked you for it and you want to apologize for it, I'll also very, very happily uh, unblock you. So please do message me if you think that's the case. Send me a message on any direct platform. If you leave it in the comment section, if you leave it in a live chat, I'm not going to see it. But if you leave it in a comment section, if you leave it and you tell me what your handle is, you know, I can have a look and I'm sure that we can come to a way in which I can unblock you (laughs) because i'm very trigger happy with my block button but uh that's actually led me into being a much better place and i think the community is in a much better state for it um and also because i'm open to unblocking people as well and that's a really important thing to be able to have on your your roster is the ability to unblock people as well um (laughs) captain (laughs) i'm not gonna read that comment out but that's hilarious um let's go to um issue says or we can go on other platforms and try to get banned on all of them (laughs) look um if that's your bag that's your bag but as long as you're not being abusive while doing it I, i don't frankly care um I think we might end the show there. I've gone on for forty-five minutes plus on this one. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, there's over six hundred and fifty of you watching. Please do drop a like. Uh, I really appreciate it if you would do that. Again, for your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth reminder of the show, there will be a phone-in show at six o'clock tonight. It might only be an hour, but there will be a phone-in show. There will be an opportunity for those people, um, for those people that do uh, disagree with me on the way I see the season, on the way in which I view the manager, I want to hear from you. If you're so passionately against what I say that you're willing to leave and write out a full YouTube comment, please, please jump on the show. Please. I I implore you, don't hide behind an avatar. Don't hide behind a Twitter account. Come and have the conversation. Otherwise, it really does undermine that viewpoint um but i always always try and offer up the opportunity um and yeah the rest of my advice continues the same don't engage with people that are abusive don't give them a platform um block people control your feeds control your community um and make uh, everywhere constructive that's the best way to take it forwards a uh, lot of messaging a lot of messages lots of uh uh moral what's the word i'm looking for uh models and You know, lessons to learn. Thank you for listening. I'll see you again uh, later on this afternoon and tomorrow morning. Have a fantastic day. And as always, up the arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute.